Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here with my co-host Drew Silva. We are live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our audience there. If you're listening in podcast form, we're recording Thursday, August 18th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to tackle a bunch of headlines in this week's episode. And we have one of our favorite people to break it all down, Sarah Langs of MLB.com. It's been a while, Sarah. Uh, Welcome to the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate being here. Yeah, it's it's good to have someone who is just enthusiastic and likes baseball. I was telling you guys before we hopped on that we finally have some nice weather here in St. Louis, and so I went on a really long bike ride, and I think I overdid it. So I might fall asleep on air, but Sarah's here to pick us up. <laughs> uh, I'll do sounds what good. I can. So I noticed uh, a little while ago, well, Jacob deGrom's given up two runs so far, which is, feels very strange to me, but... Brett Beatty had another rocket that he hit, uh, 104.2 miles per hour, single up the middle against a lefty, Max Freed. That was kind of the question with Beatty was, you know, the left on left. Uh, but he hit the ball hard twice against a lefty so far and, of course, hit a home run in his first major league plate appearance, which was really cool to see. His parents were there. His sister was there. They're going crazy. Um I don't. I wasn't expecting Beatty to come up this soon, but obviously, you know, he has a really nice swing. He hits the ball hard. Defense, a little bit of a question, but I don't know, man. Uh, he looks legit to me. I mean, obviously, it's a very small sample, but he tore up the minors this year, and we're seeing that he has that ability to make some really hard contact. Man, I was just I'm... looking at the. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah, if you want. No, no, no go for it. Well, I, I was just thinking like that two. Th- so I do a lot of the write-ups that we have at NBC Sports Edge, like the player news blurbs. And there have been so many guys from that 2019 draft that I've written about recently. And I think we're going to talk about a bunch of them. But if you look back at the top of that draft, Adley Rutschman was number one, Bobby Witt Jr., number two, Andrew Vaughn, J.J. Blade, Riley Green, C.J. Abrams. This is in order. Nick Lodolo, Josh Young, Shea Langoliers, Alec Manoa, Brett Beatty, Bryson Stott, mm. George Kirby. It's like, and you could even, that's when Michael Harris II got drafted and we're going to talk about him. It's yeah. it, its an unbelievable, it's going to like go down in, in history. I mean, it's its a little bit early to say that, but it's going to go down in history. It's like one of the most 
fruitful drafts talent wise. And I'm not to get away from the, the Beatty discussion, but I've been like toying with the idea of, so these guys get drafted in June, 2019. And then they, none of them played professional baseball in 2020. Do you think there's something there to like, there being a gap year, like getting these kids play baseball their entire lives. And then they get to not actually have to go through the, I'm sure they're working out hard, but the rigors of like traveling an entire baseball season. We saw it with Buster Posey. He came back roaring last year after sitting out the 2020 season. I'm, I, I haven't come to any conclusions, but it, it would kind of make sense like just physically to, and there's no way to like actually plan this into a guy's career. You don't really want them to have a gap year, but I, I I'm sure that kind of benefited some of these guys in a, in a way. I don't know. I feel like that's a thing with all athletes, you know. I mean, my mom, who is a huge sports fan, is always texting me out her idea of time off, you know. You look at even tennis players like Roger Federer, you know, now he hasn't played in a while, but he had a period where he was injured, came back, was really good, similar with a Rafael Nadal, whoever else. And, I mean, I do think there could be something to that. The other thing is some of these guys were at the alternate site. So they may have gotten the chance to kind of learn from their peers. Mm -hmm. And also those who are maybe a couple, you know, rungs ahead of them in development while not dealing with travel and everything else. So that could be part of it too. Yeah. And during that time, they, they could have focused on a certain area of their game. Um, we saw that with uh, Tyler McGill. Um added a lot of velocity that year and not a lot of people knew it because he didn't really have any eyes on him. So some of these players came out of that year with maybe their bodies a little bit different. Maybe they worked out more and added muscle. Maybe they changed their setup and their swing. There's so much that we kind of really didn't know that happened during that year. I mean, the players that Drew mentioned, like they were drafted to be, you know, impact players. And so far, you know, that's been the case. I think it's a combination of raw talent, but also, you know, we see players make adjustments all the time. Yeah, the ability to like just build your body and like you said, focus on individual things without having to worry about taking real at bats or like making real pitching appearances. There's probably, yeah. again, there's no way to actually like, you know, <laughs> implement this into like a regular baseball season where the world is a little bit back to normal. Um, yeah. Back to Beatty, though. Like, what, what do, do you think he stays? What, what is, what is? Do you think the plan is here? It's not well, like they have, you know. Eduardo I, Escobar has an oblique thing. Uh, yeah. He expects to return when he's eligible, but he hasn't had a great year. Mm -hmm. um, and he was essentially being platooned with Luis Guillorme, who is now hurt. So I think there will still be a chance that that Beatty can can keep his role. And if he hits, he's gonna stay. You know, they'll they'll find uh, playing time for him. But to kind of bring it back to that to the body discussion. So uh, this morning on MLB Central, there was a really good segment uh, with Mark DeRosa and Sean Casey breaking down Beatty's swing. And one thing that Mark DeRosa mentioned was like he was comparing like the high school version of Beatty with the the minor. I think it was a minor league clip. But either way, he was a lot thicker in high school. And he's more like wiry now. So like you're growing into your body. And he also, I guess, wanted to be more agile to play third base, prove he could stay at third. So I thought that was really interesting. 
And also earlier tonight, Keith Hernandez, he he gave sort of like the badge of honor to Brett Beatty saying how, that how beautiful his swing is. And he also said that he thinks the swing is better than Christian Yelich's swing when he was at the top of his game, which is incredibly high praise. I'm not sure about that, but wow. they have they have similar body types, right? Yeah, I kind of see that like yeah. visually, you know, like I can see why he was thinking of Yelich. Yeah, Gary Cohen brought up Yelich because they do have that wiry kind of frame. I think yeah. I think Beatty is six foot five. Six is he four. that big? Wow. I think he's, yeah, I think he's he's pretty tall. Um, I'm just guessing based off what I think I know, but he's pretty tall. He's pretty wiry too. So I could see that that comp coming out there. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but um, only a couple of days, but I've, I've been impressed with what I've seen. I've also been impressed by Fran Mil Reyes. Kind of interesting to see the guardians turn the page on him. I think we talked about this last week, Drew, when the mm -hmm. guardians uh, DFA to him, he he's been bad. You know, he struck out about I think 36% of the time for the guardians this year, but had another two hit game this afternoon for the Cubs. He's now hitting 382 with the Cubs as an eight-game hitting streak, five multi-hit games, six extra base hits. Sarah, wh what do you think of what we've seen from Reyes so far? I mean, we know he has the power. Uh, I thought the Cubs, you know, made a, a nice gamble here to see if they could get something out of Reyes. But uh, what are you thinking here with Reyes in this small sample? Yeah, I mean, you know, he told reporters, I believe it was yesterday, uh, you know, to the question of change of scenery, he basically leaned into it. And he said, yeah, you know, I got this new chance. It's a new me. I'm paraphrasing, but he said along those lines. And I think he's the type of player who's also, you know, introspective enough to really understand that and see that and capitalize on it. And as you said, we know the power is there. I mean, he is a stat cast darling when he is on, when yeah. he is peak Fran male. So I'm inclined to say that, you know, he's not going to hit in the 300s. They think, you know, I mean, maybe. But I could see him sort of resurrecting his career here, being a, you know, 250-ish hitter with power. And that would be great, really great to see. I mean, just turned... Yeah, we, we kind of broke the Reyes news down, but just turned 27 years old. Like, this guy is is not done. He had a 37 homer season in the past. He hit 30 homers last year, too, right? Yeah, um, I believe so. I, I get why the Guardians felt like it was time to move on. This has been, they, this was a very bad year for him, and they have some young guys that they want to get at bats to. Yeah. But he's totally capable of, of writing a, a second chapter. And, you know, there's a lot of swing and miss. Talk about like physicality and being built. Like he is a NFL Esh Rudge, your edge rusher. Like he is, yeah. he could play outside linebacker in the NFL. He's a massive person. Um, and there are some holes in his swing, but uh, when when the goods are good, like they're really good. And and I think the change of scenery thing is it's not tangible. There's no way to like quantify it, but um, we've seen it work for other players. I don't. I, I think the people as human beings when you get out of a situation where you weren't where you were frustrated and not feeling comfortable and you get to kind of turn the page on that psychologically i think we've all been in situations like that not in, in you know on a major league baseball field but you know it, it's nice to kind of like wipe the slate clean and get back to doing what you do well and i think that's probably what we're seeing here 
Yeah, I think what the Cubs really have, are doing here is they're deciding if they want to tender him a contract. It's kind of like uh, he's auditioning for for next year's team. And, you know, there's something here at stake for Rays, too, because if he if he does stay with the Cubs and he's tendered a contract, he gets that raise through arbitration. Whereas if he went into free agency, maybe he would stand to make less. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, both sides have some incentive here uh, to make this work. Also wanted to talk about two players who I think are showing signs of progress here. I guess we'll see Max Muncy for one. Uh, he didn't have a hit today, I don't believe, but he's hitting 320 this month. I know he's, you know, had that elbow thing, you know, all season basically, which understandable is going to hinder his production. But I was looking at average exit velocity over the past month and Muncy is up there for sure, which you know, I guess that's, we don't have a lot of data to suggest if someone's like feeling good, like a player will say all the time, I feel great. But when you see that average exit velocity go up, you got to think that's a good sign, right? Especially with a guy who has hit the ball hard in the past, you know? And I think, you know, we're not doctors and we can't directly correlate what's going on to an injury. But I do think when you think of the elbow, when you think of a swing, you can really see how if you're kind of bracing with impact, trying to avoid, you know, it's sore, something like that, you can see how that would lead to less power in that contact moment. So it's exactly what I was going to say with Monty is he's hitting the ball harder. And I think that's evidence that he is really bad. And he's had the plate discipline all year up there and walk rate all season. So he's still him, you know, he hasn't lost his way. I think the swing is just fully back now. Yeah, I think the slow start, you could just you could blame it on injuries. He's had a couple of different nagging things, definitely the elbow at the Mm -hmm. forefront, but the track records there, nearly a nine hundred OPS between two thousand eighteen and two thousand twenty one. And that includes two thousand twenty where he wasn't very good during the shortened season. Um He's 32 years old, you know, but I, I think he's got some some good years left in him. And, yeah, I, I never really doubted that he would kind of figure it out. Maybe it would take until next year for him to, to bounce back physically, but it's good to see him doing it right now as if the Dodgers, like, needed another weapon, you know. I mean, I mean yeah. speaking of one, though, yeah, Joey yeah. Gallo. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we are talking about change of scenery with, scenery with Fran Miel Reyes, but Joey Gallo is another one. Just given the quotes that he had in his last days in New York, which seemed like that was a nightmare experience for him, even to walk on the street, which is just sad, um, mostly, even putting the baseball part aside. But, you know, getting a fresh start there with the Dodgers and a kind of more of a laid back atmosphere, certainly the expectations are high, but it's just it's less pressure and much more laid back out there. He was hitless today, so the average is down to 231, but. Uh, he also has 12 strikeouts and 26 bats, but uh, but that's Gallo for you. Three homers and a double as well. We know he's not going to win batting titles, but I mean, when he's when he's right, he's going to hit for power. He's going to hit the ball hard. He's a good defender as well. Uh, and certainly given Cody Bellinger's struggles, I mean, I think there's opportunity here for Gallo. Yeah, and I feel like when the Dodgers got him, I mean, it was him and then the Giants getting J.D. Davis, which were the two moments of the deadline where you were like, 
if any team can fully, you know, get the most out of this guy, it's that team with that player, like, respectively. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I was on a show on SNY last night where someone said, uh, you know, what frustrates Yankee fans more, Dodger Gallo or Yankee Gallo? And there is something <laughs> to be said for the fact that yeah. Yankee fans are definitely noticing. But, you know, I think that, Yankee fans or people who are inclined to be that way, notwithstanding, I think Joey Gallo really endeared himself to people with that story, especially the one in the athletic with Lindsay Adler. I mean, we don't often see players, especially ones who are struggling in that way, be so human, you know, and I'd always had this sense he was a really good guy, but to have that for him to be so open about that, I mean, I had so many friends who are Yankees fans who saw those quotes on Twitter and were like, oh my gosh, I am rooting for this guy wherever he ends up next. So you really have to hope for him that he continues to be kind of figuring it out. Yeah, I remember the stories of, you know, Steven Gerrard, like the great Liverpool football soccer player. And he spent some time in LA. I don't think he played for their MLS team, but maybe just spent some time over there hanging out and he's a massive star in England and in, you know, all of Europe. And maybe it's different for a baseball player, but he loved living in LA because he could go to the grocery store or like go out to eat and no one would bother him. Um, And maybe Gallo is really enjoying that. Um, You know, hats off to Yankees fans for being really intense. It's, it's awesome. We're getting. I, I always laugh about how Yankees fans. If you just followed the Yankees on Twitter, you'd think they're in last place like mm-hmm. the entire season, especially this month. Yeah, I know. We're getting <laughs> to the point where I kind of feel their pain, um, <laughs> but they are still in first place. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah I was I, I was actually looking something up earlier today. So the Yankees are hitting two twenty as a team uh, this month. So Joey Gallo is hitting two thirty one. So. I'm also enjoying uh, Cardinal Jordan Montgomery more than I enjoyed yeah. Yankee yeah. Jordan Montgomery. He looks, man, he is he is just perfect for Bush Stadium. And you can tell because of the dimensions, like not fans or anything, just a big stadium where it's really hard to hit home runs um, for yeah. him in that arsenal. Like he's got four great pitches. He's using his four seamer like 20% more than he was with the Yankees because you have to think about that right field wall or really just the dimensions in general. And at, at Bush, you don't. And so he can attack hitters more. He is he has been exactly what the doctor ordered for the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's frustrating for Yankees fans because they haven't seen Harrison Bader yet. And, and Frankie and, Montas was getting lit up again tonight, I think. Um, but Bader, I mean, I, I think Bader's a pretty exciting player. And he can, he can play some defense, man. And I think they need that uh, in center field. Aaron Hicks is not. You know, I, I'd be worried right. about plantar fasciitis with Bader's skill set, but I, I am yeah. a Bader believer. Yeah. I, I think I was higher on him than most Cardinals fans because, yeah, he's an elite defensive center fielder, and I think there's offensive upside there. And maybe he's at, such a fun player. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's fun such a great personality to put mm-hmm. in New York, and of course, he's from, from yeah. the area, so there's that part too. But I mean, I remember him biked up on uh, Sunday baseball earlier this year he's just one of those fun guys so i know there were a lot of questions when that trade happened obviously with what montgomery's done the fact that they haven't seen Bader, i know that some fans are restless but 
that's the kind of defense that can really help you in October. So assuming they get, you know, to that moment with him healthy, that's huge. They're, yeah, they're, they're going to love him eventually. I, th- I think he's going to really yes. flourish there, if not this year, then next year. My advice for Harrison Bader is to get some Crocs. It, it'll solve your plantar fasciitis. I I have <laughs> suffered from it. Uh, I'm not a pro athlete, though. Oh, there you oh, go. There you, there you go. go. Those are my camo Crocs that my wife loves. I have just Can navy I blue. Mine are boring. Question? Yeah. <laughs> like, when did they come back? I remember they were a thing when I was like, in middle school, and then I know I see them now, but I don't know anything about baseball, so I have no idea like when they <laughs> came back. I don't know that either. I'm not on top of the the fashion <laughs> scene, but I feel like the past couple of years, yeah, and yeah. I've seen like more more teens wearing them, which means I guess they're cool. And some like kids who are like I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, they'll put like little thing, like little yeah. I don't know what it's called. They have a name like, for them, but yeah. I forgot the name for it. Flair, See, I'm not, Croc I'm Flair. not cool. <laughs> they yeah. were they were a thing, like kind of ironically, when they first came out, and I was a, a freshman in college. Like a bunch of people, a bunch of dudes got them. First of all, because they're really comfortable to like walk to class in. Yeah. Um, and then they were so comfortable that a, a lot of me and some of my friends, we would just wear them all the time because, like, who cares what you look like in college? In college, yeah. yeah. But now I'm now yeah I got these as like a joke gift at Christmas five years ago, um, and I wear them all the time around the house. At least I, I don't usually wear them out too much. I I don't either. I'm not that cool. All right, we'll get to, we'll get to some more Sorry, baseball everyone. stuff in a second. No, no, no. I welcome that. That's no problem. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. So a quick word for our listeners. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the White Sox take on the Guardians in Cleveland this Sunday. Big series there uh, this Sunday at 1130 a.m. Eastern time live on Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. 
And just a reminder, if you don't have the Predictor app powered by PointsBet, definitely go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. You can win thousands. We just mentioned that with the, with the baseball game here, but also PGA Tour, NASCAR, Premier League. Uh, we have a special contest every Tuesday and Thursday. We do battle the bets uh, where you can agree or disagree with our, our picks. So lots of fun stuff uh, on the Predictor app. Definitely uh, check that out. So a couple of uh, young catchers we wanted to talk about here. Joey Bart, first off here, he's been tearing it up recently. I know he struggled to begin the year to kind of be that replacement for for Buster Posey with striking out a ton, but um, some really good signs here recently. I think he's hitting over 400 uh, recently, showing some good power. Has this correlated in terms of like what we want to see as far as power metrics, Sarah? I think so. I mean, he has been exactly who people hoped he would be when they drafted a catcher. Everyone freaked out. Are they replacing Posey? Because at the time, Posey was still in the peak of his career. He has been that Joey Bard. And for a giant season that has not had a whole lot of upside, you know, Carlos Radon, really good. Logan Webb has been good minus today. Um, this has just been a really big bright spot for them. And, you know, I think of the moment where he hit the hardest hit homer by any giant track by StatCast on Will Clark Day. Mm-hmm. He and Will Clark were both drafted second overall, the two highest draft picks in Giants history. Mm. That felt like a moment to me, you know, like beyond stats, beyond anything else. And I think that, you know, I'm interested to see where he ends up defensively. I think there were still always some questions there, and we can't really split those metrics in the same way. But I think he has shown that he hasn't been bad. And so he has shown that he can be that everyday catcher moving forward, and that's a really good starting point for them. Just, you know, for the next few years as they kind of try to rebuild what this team is. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on Joey Bart being the successor to Buster Posey. But like every all the minor league numbers, the the draft pedigree being the number two overall pick in 2018, it, it would all tell you like this guy's gonna be something. And it, and it takes a while sometimes for catchers like for, to really click. He's 25 years old. Um, has had a lot of starts and stops, ups and downs, kind of, you know, thrown into the fire when Posey sat out the 2020 season, like we talked about earlier. Um, I think there's just a lot of pressure on him. And, and yeah, maybe that moment where he hit that, you know, heater of a home run, like take some weight off his shoulders and he can just be Joey Bart and, and, you know, it doesn't have to try to be Buster Posey. Um, I, I had him a, 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 as a top 10 fantasy catcher coming into the year. And the catcher position is so bad that I wonder if he had like a good final seven weeks, if he could actually finish as a top 10, probably not, but he might yeah. have like the homers to rank up there. I mean, he's got yeah. nine right now. If, if he, you know, if he hits a couple more, he'll be in, in the running for it at least. And yeah, I mean, the batting average that you saw in the minors, the on-base percentage, if he can carry some of that over with a little power, I think he could be a very good catcher, real life catcher, fantasy catcher. We'll see defensively how that all shakes out, but um, I'm still optimistic about Joey Bart long term. Yeah, I mean, it's it like you said, Sarah. It's kind of been a disappointing year for the Giants on the whole, not able to replicate what they did last year. I think we all saw a little bit of regression coming, um, 
but certainly a, a, a bright sign here with BART uh, to carry them into 2023 and beyond. So I think that's uh, great news. And, you know, like you're saying, with catcher being as weird as it is this year uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think that Cal Raleigh leads all catchers in home runs right now with 18 or 19. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Where's Salvador Perez when you need him? Yeah. Yeah, well, and Jonah Jonah Heim is uh is a top ten fantasy catcher right now as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, catcher is always such a weird one, you know. I like know. entering the year, I do a uh, top ten uh, by position from the network, and you know I had Adley number ten, having never played in the majors mm-hmm. before, because you know I talked to some of our prospect people. And I figured, okay, as long as he's up by like June or July, I think a couple months of Adley, you know, this was thinking at that point is probably better than most of the field, at least for my, you know, eight, nine, 10. And thinking to my rankings next year, you know, not with fantasy involved, but just overall, I mean, he's going to be, yep, he's all the way up there. I mean, it's him and Will Smith at this point, you know. Man, this this position has needed an injection of young talent. I feel like we've been waiting for it's it for a while. It's gonna be there. There's yeah. so many yeah. good prospect catchers right now. Francisco it's, Alvarez, Shaylen yeah. yeah. has hit the ground yeah. running in, in yeah. Oakland. Um, yeah, Montero yeah. with the with the Blue Jays. I mean, there there are a lot of good catching prospects um, out there. But yeah, go ahead and uh, with Langeliers. I mean, I, I I know he was part of the Matt Olson trade. Was like kind of the big piece there for the A. So at least A's fans get to see part of the return there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I just think he's, he's looked tremendous and he's a guy that it seems like the A's maybe just because they're terrible and like they're just releasing players on the, on the fly Piscotti and Elvis Andrews yeah. this week, he's going to get time at DH too. I mean, like, you know, the, from a fantasy perspective, you like players like that, like a Salvador yeah. Perez, who is going to be in the lineup most days. He's not going to be like a normal catcher. Who's going to get, you know, two days off per week or, or hopefully that's the way it shakes out. I can't imagine the A is going to be a whole lot better next year. Um, so you love the situation and the minor league numbers are there. Um, he's shown a ton of raw power already right away. And and he's, you know, a, go- a dude who can get on base and hit for average too. I, I think he's the real deal. I don't, is he going to be like a top 10 catcher next year? Possibly. That's a position that I'm going to have to like dig in when we do our like positional preview episodes next year. I'm, I'm going to have to like learn some new things about a lot of these players and about there's who's a, coming up. There's a yeah, lot. There's a lot. There's a lot right on the cusp, uh, which is pretty exciting uh, as well. And and let's get into Adley Rushman for a second because he's been so good. I mean, there was the I think the first two weeks he kind of struggled offensively, but since then, like he's been exactly what we expected him to be and what everyone said he was the plate discipline, the ability to hit the ball hard, and also just a very good catcher. He's already shown to be a great framer. Uh, pitchers love working with him. I mean, he, I, I he's exceeded my expectations uh, for an Orioles team, which is continues to hang around there in the, the wild card race as well. I mean, I think that's a lot of it. You know, you see his intangibles. You see the way he is carrying this pitching staff, you know. 
and the fact that he is a good catcher and that guys like working with him, but also the fact that you see the emotion on his face in so many plays. I mean, to me, that is like the portrait of a young, impactful catcher. So it's been really great to see. And, you know, I know people talk about Rookie of the Year, and we have pretty much, I mean, what, first we gave it to Jeremy Pena, then he got hurt, then we gave it to Julio, then he got hurt for a bit. And now it feels like a pretty close race between these two. I mean, it's interesting because Julio's team is probably going to make the postseason for the first time since 01. He's going to be a big part of it. But if the, I mean, if the Orioles even finished, I don't know, a game out of a postseason spot, that's almost enough of a victory, like in the long run, that maybe you give credit to Adley there too. And of course, Rookie of the Year is the word that I think people consider team success the least. And, you know, if I were voting on these, I would consider team success zero. But I do think with a young catcher, it does kind of reflect on him in a really good way that the team has continued to gel at this point after the trades, no Trey Mancini, no Jorge Lopez, and here they are. So, I mean, but, you know, debate aside, he's been so good. I mean, he's 11th in the majors in WRC Plus since June 15th, and everyone else on that list is like, Judge, Arenado, Freddie Freeman, Freeman, excuse me, so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like the captain of that team at age 24. Yeah. And yeah, what, what a catch, what goes into being a catcher, it's so much more involved than what goes into being an outfielder. I, I think that that race is too close to call and we should let it play out before we have debates yeah. on it. <laughs> Julio's the big, is still the big favorite. Like I was looking at the odds earlier today. So, he is. I mean, if you wanted to take a shot, I think, of, of any like kind of underdog underdog dark horse for an individual award, like Rushman would be the guy that I would target right now. For sure. Bobby Witt, I mean, he needs to kind of be in that conversation too. He's been really, really good. And it's because he plays for the Royals. Not a lot of people have, have talked about him because they're just kind of an afterthought right now, but he's been tremendous. Yeah. He's been good. He's I think he's, good. I think he's met him. expectations. I mean, like counting stats wise, at least. Um, and he's been a little more consistent over the last two months too. So yeah. I don't know. Another rookie here who might be the, one of the favorites was Spencer Strider in the, in the NL for rookie of the year, uh, Michael Harris, uh, the second, his extension, uh, with the Braves. I don't have the actual number in front of me right now. Eight years, um, 72 million guaranteed. Yep. It can work go. out to be a 10 year, 102 million if the options are exercised. Um, yeah, pretty team friendly on the surface. I I think he's really really good, and yeah. so I I I think he probably left some money on the table. But I actually didn't know until that extension was signed how tied in he is to like the Atlanta community. Like he he oh, grew yeah. up there. He is a total Atlanta dude. Yeah. The Braves um, love to do that. They yeah. love to target yeah. those guys from the from the local area. So so. Oh, I, it, makes sense i think that's where he wants to be and um good for him like 72 million dollars guaranteed is is excellent he really only gave up two years of free agency yeah that's why how, that old, works out? how old is he by the way because he 20, could still 21 21 right. yeah so he could right. still hit free agency at 29 or yeah you know third yeah. third like still in an area where he could 
have a nice second contract, um, depending I on mean, how things pan out. I mean, he might. He's probably going to win a gold glove. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, he is having that kind of year, and I really like his bat. He hits the ball really hard. And he's another guy like Adley, like Bobby Wood as well, who did not hit in his first like two weeks in the majors. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, he's here for his defense. And then since then, he's hit a handful of home runs. He's had some clutch hits for them. And again, he hits the ball hard, which for me is all I need to see to know like this is for real. And he's so much fun to watch. I mean, yeah. He's a great player, great style too. He had a, a cool hat on during his uh, he, he, press yes. conference. He yeah. did. And I, what's uh, interesting about Harris is like I, he just so relaxed defensively mm-hmm. in center field. I've seen the Mets play the Braves a bunch in the past couple of weeks, and there's been some drives to center field where I'm like, oh, this is going to be extra bases. But like he's so quick, he just has that closing speed to uh, to make these catches and and just looking so relaxed and casual for someone that's you know so little experience it's, in the majors it's pretty yeah. impressive i think it's easy to forget too that the braves when they called up him up in late may they were not doing well you know like yeah. they're yeah. they're one of the top five teams in baseball right now i, th- I think anyone would say that um, yeah. but he really i injected some maybe calmness and excitement and a little bit of new blood for a team that went to the world series like had a very long season last year and just his presence in, in center field really changed the way that the outfield dynamics work you know they don't have to put players in center that don't belong there anymore um, yeah they, they've got their long-term center fielder and Vaughn Grissom has brought something to that team mm-hmm. too in the past couple of weeks and I've been impressed by him and he's another player who brings some emotion uh, to the game as well he, he's um, also a, a 2019 draft guy Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, there's another one. And, and it would be a nice problem from the Braves when Ozzy Alves comes back and like, where do we put Vaughn Grissom? You know, we'll see what happens, you know, but so far, even in the, you know, the small sample I've seen uh, in this Mets series, uh, he's looked really good and he looks like he belongs. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've just put together a great young core. You know, no, I mean, I'm we all jealous. saw. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how do they do it? Team should be. But I think that part of it is Alex Anthopoulos and the trust that he gets from these players. Because, you know, I think a lot of people and a lot of fans are sitting there after that extension saying, why don't we do this with so-and-so? Why didn't the Mets do this with Pete Alonso? Why didn't, you know, any other team? And this isn't any disrespect to them, to any team. But the Braves have really built the type of culture where guys feel comfortable there and want to be there. They trust the front office and they know that if they do this, it's going to go well for them. And, you know, any team in baseball could do this tomorrow. But I'm not sure that any team in baseball's 21-year-old budding superstar would be as willing yes. to stay there for the next 10 years. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they have the secret sauce right now. And I am jealous as a Mets fan. I I will admit that. But I mean, the Mets have Steve Cohen, who doesn't mind um, spending a little extra. if he. he That's another route, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can just buy championships, DJ. 
Yes. Hey, it feels <laughs> feels good. Well, we got to get the championship first before I can actually. I say know that. that's yeah. Nothing um, feels that good right now. No. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Yankees again and their their closer situation. So mm-hmm. Clay Holmes, who's you know for a great majority of the season was just fantastic. Um, he struggled a bit recently, and he's been dealing with this back injury, which I think you know explains some of the recent struggles. So he's sidelined now. Uh, you have Aroldis Chapman, who I don't think is all the way back yet. And I don't know if they're going to throw him right back in the mix in, in the ninth inning. We'll see. Uh, Lou Trevino, who they acquired from, from the A's in that Frankie Montes deal. Scott Efros, who they got from the Cubs, who kind of I thought was a really uh, clever trade yeah. Uh, yeah. at the deadline. A, a pitcher with a lot of control, um, team control rather, um, who's had a, had a great year. Wandy Peralta is there maybe for some matchups, but I think if I had to pick one from like a fantasy perspective right now, I would, I would take Scott Efros. That's just my, my gut I, feel. Right I now. think he's worth rostering. It'll probably be a mix and match situation. Yeah. I, I think I, Chapman would be my number one, but he's pro, you know already rostered in, in every fantasy league. I know that he had that, rough outing what was it on wednesday against the rays but the yankees wound up winning that game and and otherwise he's All thrown forgiven right <laughs> yeah exactly i i think otherwise he's been pretty steady since he came back from from the injured list from that achilles tendon issue you know he's not as dominant as he was in the past but i i still think he's he's a, a presence on the mound and he has some experience i bet that he would get the majority of save chances while Clay Holmes is away and Holmes had been kind of knocked around lately too. I I guess this, this back injury had been lingering though for a couple of weeks. So maybe that helps to explain some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing before, before we go here, I don't want to take too much of your time, Sarah, but last thing here, the Rangers I wanted to get into, they turned the page on John Daniels this week after a really long tenure for a front office executive uh, these days, like Brian Cashman is, you know, what is it? He's been like 30 years or something with the Yankees now, but uh, John Daniels, 17 year tenure there uh, with the Rangers recent years. Uh, Chris Young's been the GM, I believe the past two years. And John Daniels has moved more into that, that team president um, type of role. Um, but still, I thought this was interesting. I think maybe after signing Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, John Gray, ownership had certain expectations associated with that. But I think even going into the year, if you looked at any predictions, prognostications, whatever, nobody had the Rangers making the playoffs. So where is the disconnect here? Because I I think they were a flawed team from the jump. So am am I missing something or is it just like time for new voices? I would guess that it's something along those lines. I mean, to your point, their pitching acquisition was John Gray, who – has been hurt about three times this year, I think. But mm-hmm. even still, was not going to be the ace, especially in that ballpark, to really carry those offensive acquisitions. I was surprised in the offseason that they didn't find some money to get a bigger name pitcher or make a trade there. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, they've been about what I expected, I think. Um, but I do wonder if the expectations were more in line with the total money spent 
than where it was allocated or something along those lines. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because I think they're exactly who I kind of thought they would be. And I thought that the Seeger and Simeon signings were kind of stage one of like moving from rebuilder into contender. It wasn't, and I thought that they would have known it's not going to happen right away because you don't have the pitching and there's still a lot of holes on this roster. The press conference with, I, I just kind of had it on in the background. I, I think that was on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, like the, the afternoon that they fired John Daniels um, and it, it was the owner or the chairman or something was was asked a question like a baseball operation specific question and he was like I don't really know anything about baseball that's why I like hire people to do this job and so maybe he thought like you know maybe he's I don't know his background maybe he's some Texas oil man this is just in my head but like you throw you throw a half billion dollars at a problem problem's going to be fixed you know, but yeah. like, no, baseball, you need, you need 26 players or you really need like 40 players uh, to become, you need depth, you need stars, you need pitching. Um, and they, the Rangers just did not have all of the pieces Yeah, John Daniels was hired in 2005, which was my freshman year of college when I got my first pair of Crocs. And <laughs> just to wrap up the show into a nice little bow, I'm, I'm still yeah. wearing Crocs. 17 years later <laughs> but I'm, i'll be fascinated to see where john daniels goes next because he, he yeah. is a new york guy i and the mets were interested in the in the brewers team president Stearns, david yeah. Stearns, who was a new york guy i i don't know i i think things are going well with the mets right now but i i wonder if there's you know something's revisited there uh john daniels has been mentioned as a possibility for the mets for a really long time um, could we see a different kind of front office structure there? Sandy Alderson is, you know, really still involved more from a, like a team president perspective, but more on the business side than the baseball operations side. But did they change that structure? I mean, I think John Daniels is going to go somewhere. He's, yeah, you know, he's had fine. a lot of success, um, but I think it'll be interesting to follow that. And I guess maybe to see what the Rangers do during the off season um, as well with are they gonna Chris like, Young. Yeah, what are, I don't are they going to start from scratch? Like, I don't get it. But I mean, those contracts aren't going anywhere. No, they're I don't not. think. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but, you know, getting Josh Young, you know, another, you know, prospect who we hope to see soon. 2019 uh, draft. Yep. Yeah, there's another one. Um, <laughs> we're full, we're uh, full circle uh, with the show. Um, I think I saw you tweet out something earlier today, Drew, about uh, Josh Young and, and what's going on with his rehab. Well, yeah, they, uh, who was it? Uh, the interim manager, Tony Beasley, was saying that his MLB debut is not imminent. Uh, and he's been ridiculous in the minors. If you look at his numbers, like an 833 slugging percentage and 60, 62 plate appearances, eight home runs in 15 games. Um, I wonder if they're just going to kind of wait on this because there's no point in bringing him up. Like, are we going to play a little service time game? I don't know. It could be a week from now. He's coming off labrum shoulder surgery, a really big time procedure. So maybe it's smart to kind of slow play it. If the Rangers were in the race, he would be up, but they're not. So I, there's no way to estimate when we're going to see him. Sarah, uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, wrap it up here, but thank you so much for coming on the show this week. We really appreciate your, your insight on hopefully we'll get you back here soon. Yeah, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Five stars, always appreciated. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew is at Drew Silve. Take care, everyone, and we will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.